0: Brian Schaefer was out at a Columbus bar on North High Street and was never seen again. The OSU med student had just lost his mother to cancer a few weeks before he went missing. This is the last known image of Schaefer. He was seen going up and down the escalator at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. This is truly one of the biggest mysteries of Central Ohio. 27 year old has his life in front of him, might be getting married, want to be a doctor and he disappears without a trace. You wanted the best, you got the best. The hottest podcast in the world. True Crime Monkey. Thank you for tuning in to the True Crime Monkey podcast and this episode on the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button and check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts. It was Friday, April 1st, 2006, the last day of classes before spring break for students at The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. 27-year-old Brian Schaefer a second year medical student, had plans of going out for a few drinks with his friend, William Clint Florence, to kick off the weekend before taking a trip to Miami with his girlfriend, Alexis Wagner. They had planned a spring break vacation trip given to Brian by his mother, Renee Schaefer. Some close to the couple thought that Brian might even propose to Alexis while in Miami. The two were to board their flight that Monday morning, but Brian would never make it to the airport for his flight. Brian Schaefer was born on February 25, 1979 to Renee and Randy Schaefer. Brian also had a younger brother named Derek. Brian grew up in Pickerington, Ohio, a suburb just outside of Columbus, Ohio. He graduated high school in 1997 and then enrolled at Ohio State University. Brian was on the six-year plan at Ohio State University and in 2003 earned his bachelor's degree in microbiology. Brian then enrolled at the OSU College of Medicine in 2004. He was in his second year of medical school at the time of his disappearance. While in medical school, Brian met his future girlfriend, Alexis Wagner from Toledo, Ohio. Brian was always attracted to the beach life. He even once stated that this medical thing is just a temporary gig, and that his real passion was to start his own music band in the style of Jimmy Buffett. Could Brian have been foreshadowing his own future? Brian was very close to his parents, especially his mother, Renee. Unfortunately, she would be diagnosed with cancer and would pass away in 2006, just three weeks before Brian would disappear. The loss of his mother was especially tough for Brian, although those around him said that he handled it quite well. Although Brian disappeared in 2006, the Schaefer family would suffer another devastating loss in 2008. Brian's father, Randy, would be killed by a falling tree branch just outside his home while he was out surveying damage caused by strong winds in the area that were the results of the remnants of Hurricane Ike, which had made their way all the way up to the Ohio Valley. This had left only Derek, Brian's younger brother, to grieve alone, as he had lost his mother, his brother, and his father in a span of only two years. So let's get to what happened on April 1st, 2006, yes, April Fool's Day. After a tough week of cramming for exams, classes came to an end that Friday. At about 9 p.m. Brian met up with his friend Clint at the Ugly Tuna Saloon. Around 9, 15, 9.30 I drove over to Brian's apartment after his had dinner with his father and uh, he was having a beer and then came up to High Street to Ugly Tuna. A small bar in the South Campus Gateway Complex on High Street. Brian and Clint had a couple of drinks and at about 10 p.m. Brian decided to call his girlfriend, Alexis, who had briefly went back home to Toledo, Ohio to visit her family before returning to Columbus and departing with Brian on their trip to Miami. He just wanted to tell her that he was out with the guys and couldn't wait for their upcoming trip. After the call, Brian and Clint decided to go bar hopping, going from one bar, having a shot of alcohol, then moving on to another bar and doing the same as they worked their way down to the Arena District. They made their way around several bars, including the Short North and finally to Brothers. Brian and Clint decided they wanted to go back to the Ugly Tuna Saloon to check out the band and finish out their night. Since it was a long walk back, Clint decided to call a female friend of his named Meredith Reed who met them at Brothers and drove them back to the Ugly Tuna Saloon. The Columbus, Ohio area is said to have the largest camera coverage of any city in the United States. Surveillance camera footage captured the trio coming into the parking garage, then to the main entrance of the gateway complex where the escalators are located that take you upstairs to the Ugly Tuna Saloon. The trio was seen on camera coming up the escalator at 1.15 a.m. just before entering the bar. However, there were no cameras inside the Ugly Tuna. After a couple more drinks and listening to the band, Clinton Meredith stated that Brian got up and said he was going to talk to the band. They stated that they did not see Brian after that. At 1.55 AM, Brian is seen on video in a lobby type area at the top of the escalators just outside the bar talking to two females. Brian then leaves the two females and walks off camera and appears to be re-entering the bar. This will be the last time Brian Schaefer would ever be seen. The ugly tuna saloon closed at 2 a.m. Clinton and Meredith walked around the bar trying to find Brian and also called Brian's cell phone at 2.01 a.m., but the call went straight to voicemail. Clinton and Meredith figured that Brian had met up with someone and gotten a ride or decided to just walk home, so they left the bar. All day Saturday, no one really notices that Brian is missing, except Alexis, who is returning home from Toledo and had been trying to call Brian, but all of her calls went straight to voicemail. Upon returning to Columbus, Alexis went straight to Brian's apartment. She found everything neat and in order, just as Brian always had it. And she also noticed that his car was still parked outside and it appeared that his bed had not been slept in. Alexis immediately felt something was wrong. She then called Brian's father to let him know that something just wasn't right. Brian's father immediately came to campus and the two began canvassing the area, even searching through dumpsters, hoping to find some clue as to what could be going on, but they had no luck. Although very distraught, they were still confident that Brian would show up on Monday morning for his trip to Miami with Alexis. But once he didn't show up, they notified authorities that Brian was missing and the official search began. Police detectives met Brian's father, Randy, at Brian's apartment at 208 King Avenue. They immediately began interviewing neighbors, going back to the Ugly Tuna Saloon, searching the area, searching dumpsters, and even going into the sewer system in hopes of finding some clues. It quickly became one of the biggest searches in Columbus police history. There were close to 100 officers already on the case, but they found absolutely nothing. No trace of Brian Schaefer. Police returned to the Ugly Tuna Saloon to require all the video footage they had. There were hours and hours of video that would soon be gone through again by Columbus police. Police would soon state that they were 100% certain that Brian Schaefer entered the bar, but he is not seen on any camera leaving the bar. But as police were combing through the footage, frame by frame, a strange figure, later known as the orange sweater guy, drew their attention. A man wearing an orange sweater could be seen multiple times in the surveillance footage on the night of Brian's disappearance, just going up and down the escalator to the bar repeatedly. Police then tracked down this man's identity and began the search for him. But as their investigation would later reveal, the man turned out to be just a normal taxi driver who was coming up and down the escalators frequently in search of fares, just to make money. He was then ruled out as a person of interest in Brian's disappearance. Many theories would soon start to surface Could Brian's body have been put in a dumpster in or around the bar? So police searched local landfills where it was determined that the trash from those particular dumpsters would have been dumped. They found nothing. Could Brian's body have been concealed in the flooring of new construction happening at the gateway complex? So police brought in cadaver dogs to search the area. Again, they found nothing. Could he have exited down the fire escape or jumped from a second floor onto a lower awning Police reviewed the camera footage from the courtyard surrounding the complex and again found nothing. It would be highly unlikely that he could have jumped due to the sheer commotion and loud noise that it would have made. If this were to have happened, he certainly would have been seen and heard by other patrons that were exiting the complex that night. Then came a theory that seemed very possible to many in the public, the Smiley Face Killer. The smiley face killings all involved good-looking male victims who were separated or wandered away from their group, generally after attending a bar or a club. But unlike Brian's case, all of their bodies were then found in nearby waterways, with the infamous smiley face logo located somewhere nearby. There's some of the more than 40 college-age men who mysteriously drowned the tragedy spanning 25 cities and 11 states. Two former NYPD police officers there say that they are all murder victims linked to what they call the smiley face killings. I believe that these young men are being abducted by individuals in the bars before they are entered into the war. There are a lot of young, good-looking men, most of them college students, most of them of the same age range, that are found dead. They are very odd circumstances. They were at a bar. Like Brian, they left the bar, they got separated somehow from those individuals they were with, and they end up in a body of water, dead. Although the police doubted that Brian had fallen victim to the smiley face killer, they did search the Olentangy River and found nothing. No body and no smiley face logos. The Olentangy River is a slow-moving river located somewhat near campus, but police are confident that had he made his way into the river, his body certainly would have been recovered. During the course of the investigation, those who were known to have been the last to see Brian were asked to take a polygraph test. Brian's father, Randy, took the test and passed. Meredith Reed took the test and passed. Clint Florence, who had by that time hired an attorney, refused to take the test. Clint was also summoned to a grand jury to appear and to answer questions. But on the advice of his attorney, he refused. At one point, we did summon Clint to the grand jury to appear to answer questions. And again, based on his attorney's advice, declined to be interviewed at the grand jury. Does it look suspicious? To a lot of people, it probably does. But at no point was Clint a suspect. He wasn't a person of interest. He was never charged with anything. Clint's attorney even sent a letter to the Columbus police stating that, His client does not want to be contacted, and it is my understanding that from what I am told by investigators that it is Brian who is causing his family all this pain, insinuating that police believe Brian was still alive, and that if you, meaning the police, want to solve this, you need to convince Brian to let people and his family know, meaning know that he was still alive. However, Columbus Police maintained that they are not aware of anyone ever speaking with his attorney. There was no new movement on the case, but on May 11th, 2006, just one month after Brian disappeared, his apartment was broken into. By the time police arrived, the person was gone and left no evidence of the break-in. No one was ever charged or arrested with this break-in. Another four months would pass with nothing new in the case until a new potential clue emerged. Brian's girlfriend, Alexis, had been calling Brian's cell phone every night but each and every time, it automatically went to voicemail, which is typical of a phone being turned off or the battery having ran out. But when Alexis called Brian's cell phone on September 8, 2006, the phone did not automatically go to voicemail. The phone started ringing. The phone was actually pinging 14 miles away in Hilliard, Ohio. Detectives immediately went to Hilliard, but were unable to find anything. They then contacted the cell phone carrier and asked what was the probability that the cell phone had been turned on. Unfortunately, the cell phone carrier told detectives it was most likely due to a glitch in the system that sometimes happens when certain towers become overloaded. Tragedy would again strike the Schaefer family on the evening of September 14, 2008. Brian's father, Randy, would be killed by a falling tree branch just outside his home while he was out surveying damage caused by strong winds in the area from the remnants of Hurricane Ike, which had made their way all the way up to the Ohio Valley. But it was Randy's obituary that would soon get much attention. Randy's obituary was placed online by the funeral home, and in the online guest book, an entry was made on September 18th that said, I miss you, Dad. Love, Brian. Unknown U.S. Virgin Islands. Police were able to track down the location from which the message was sent. However, they would learn that the message was sent from a computer at a public library only five miles from the Ugly Tuna Saloon in Columbus, Ohio. Police were unable to obtain any other information as to who was using the computer at that time. It appeared to be just a hoax. There would be several alleged sightings of Brian over the next several years in places as far away as India and Sweden and as close as the state of Michigan. But in 2019, police would receive a tip and that tip included a photograph. It was a photograph of a homeless man in Tijuana, Mexico. The photo looked eerily similar to Brian, so much so that the FBI quickly became involved. The man in the photo was an American. He had long legs, just like Brian. His nose had obviously been previously broken in the same spot as had Brian's. His ears attached to his face at the same point as did Brian's. This was the biggest potential clue in over a decade. But after further review and analysis of the photo, it was determined that the man was not Brian Schaefer. Since the time of his disappearance, not a single item has ever been found. No wallet, no clothes, no shoes, nothing that could be determined to be those of Brian Schaefer. His former girlfriend, Alexis Wagner, has moved on with her life and is married and now has children of her own. Brian's brother Derek still holds out hope that his brother will be found but as each day passes, he knows that hope diminishes. On April 8th, 2013, as a way to free up assets for his brother, Brian Schaefer was declared legally dead by the courts. If you have any further information on this case, please call the Central Ohio Crime Stoppers tip line at 1-877-645-TIPS. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the True Crime Monkey podcast on the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. We'll see you next time.